Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our very last episode of season three of the Future Ready Librarian podcast series. And I'm really excited to be ending it with two of my dear friends and role models in the library world, Caroline and Becky. Welcome. Hi, good morning. Good, Good morning, morning, everybody. Yeah, why don't we start just by introducing yourselves and telling us um, a little bit about what you do. So my name is Becky Calzada, and I am the District Library Coordinator in Leander ISD, which is northwest of Austin, Texas. We are um, a school district of about 42,000 plus students and uh, growing. Um, I've been in this position for, I think, nearly 10 years now and in the school district for 23 years. And I'm Carolyn Foote. I am the recently retired district librarian in Eanes ISD, where I was the director for 15 years and the high school librarian for 29. And um, I am now a freelance librarian and consulting. I love it. That's great. Well, we're so happy to have you on. And I asked them to be on the podcast after I read an article and we've all seen a lot about the banning of books. And this most recent article in Ed Surge is called Librarians Fight Book Bans with Twitter Takeover. And Britton Follett in our summit on Saturday brought this article up and we had a great conversation around it. And so I was really thankful that you both were going to be on the podcast. So why don't we kind of take a step back and Becky, tell us what's happening. Tell us what's happening in Texas around banning books and how this has really now just spiraled across the United States. Um, so as far as um, books go, for us, it probably started about two years ago um, through a language arts adoption. Um, so the entire state of Texas um, had a language arts adoption. And I think, well, what I know is in this last adoption, a lot of different um, companies offered opportunities um, to purchase classroom libraries. Um, and of course we know that best practice is, you know, having books at the access point and so in the classrooms and that kind of thing too. And I also know that our curriculum department um, adopted several books along with the classroom libraries to use as, you know, book club books and that sort of thing too. And so there were some things that came up um, that were questionable and um, had to be revetted. Um, at that time, not much had happened and wasn't really impacting the library um, because they really wanted to separate the two. Um, but as of late, it's been kind of creeping into the library now, and I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, parents um, not having, you know, pretty fixed um, attitudes about what is appropriate and what is not. And so for us, it's been a lot of education of, you know, what our policy is, um, what our process is, what, what, what that vetting process looks like. But, but we have, just like anybody else, have had parents coming to our school board meetings, reading snippets and piecing things together, parts of books and taking things out of context, um, looking at our catalogs and um, that sort of thing, going to you know, campuses and that sort of thing, questioning things. So a lot of the, the questions have been around books that are um, 
diverse, you know, specific topics, including like uh, LGBTQIA um, topics, um, anything that um, they feel is just, you know, questionable. I mean, they feel like it's just um, not appropriate. And so again, just trying to address um, one case at a time, obviously, but, um, you know, it's been a little crazy. <laughs> And I think it's all being impacted as well by the new laws that have been passed in several states that were initially a response to, um, uh, you know, more diverse curriculum, what they're being calling CRT. A lot of us wouldn't call it that necessarily. Um, and so some of the response in Texas and some other states is sort of evolving out of that law, which doesn't address the LGBTQ um, books at all. But I think that it created this sense of, of examination or parental impact um, on libraries and it grew out of the diverse libraries that people were seeing. and. And, you know, districts are having to grapple with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like just watching things unfold. I mean, what was it in Texas probably about a month ago when things really started getting heated and, and just reading and the accusations, you know, towards librarians, it just hurts my heart, you know, and as a reader and as a librarian and as a mother who have had, you know, kids that have, you know, been young adults and is, you know, now my youngest one is a young adult. And I look at all these kids at, you know, my school in, in the middle of Iowa, you know, and how we need to really think about the needs of our kids. And it's definitely, it's interesting. This article is really great. And I've read a lot of things and have been watching what the two of you have been doing in response to this. And I mean, couldn't think of two better people to do that. But, you know, the big thing I think now too is like, now what, you know? And that's what I think a lot about when I think about my library and my kids and my readers, like, what do we do as librarians? How do we I guess, even have these conversations maybe before, you know, they come up within our building. I think that's the question that a lot of people have. I think that was um, uh, what you were mentioning about kids and families was really part of our concern. And um, some letters came out in Texas from a representative and the governor, and probably a lot of people have seen that already, but we felt like we wanted the public to know that there were many, many, many readers <clears throat> who supported students having access to books. And so we tried to make our, a small group of us, it's not just the two of us, there's a couple more people, um, decided we wanted to do something and, um, or a series of steps. And um, we started with this hashtag takeover that the article mentions in the in Texas and which was Becky's idea after our initial meeting of what to do um, but we really wanted to uplift positive literature 
and we wanted to uplift the voices of librarians and English teachers and authors and also give people hope that they weren't alone. And I think that's important. But Becky and I have done some uh, workshops and um, a series of program for SLJ Summit on sort of what to do to be prepared because this is atypical, but if people are prepared to face it and to have those conversations, it's really important. And Becky could speak to some of the things that we've, we recommend that librarians do to be aware. So when, you know, Carolyn speaks to that, I think it, it, remembering, you know, to be proactive versus reactive. And I know for us always as a district, we've, our librarians have always had training around, you know, reconsideration, what that could look like, educating ourselves on selection policy. But one of the things that I see sometimes when I talk to people is, um, or librarians, they, some don't know if they have a selection policy or where it's located. Have um, We've even heard of cases where the school board doesn't even know where the selection policy is too. So, you know, one of the things that librarians can do is to find that selection policy, read it. Um, I even say print it. I have folder that I keep it in so that you can review it and make sure that you are well aware because if a parent asks, I mean, we want to be transparent. We're not trying to hide anything. So sharing, you know, well, here's how we uh, vet our books. And, um, but also I think one of the, one of the other things that is a good thing to do is to look at um, your specific districts, you know, like mission and goals and any kind of specific initiatives. Like for us, we've got some core values that we've established as a district that are new. What, what are those natural intersections um, that support the work that you're doing? Um, right now, we know that, you know, when a parent typically comes in, you know, they're emotional and that kind of thing. So any kind of, you know, scenario prep training sort of things, you know, it's, a, it's easy for us to talk about it. But when you actually have a scenario that says, you know, a parent comes and da da da, whatever, right? That that, that advanced prep and, and actually practicing with somebody else is can be really helpful. So those kinds of things um, are useful, along with just coaching about how to have a conversation when somebody is in maybe perhaps an emotional state, and you know, trying to get everybody to be calm and listening and being professional and that sort of thing too. Um, I also tell people to just be mindful too of, of how they're framing conversations. It's so easy to, for us to get defensive because obviously it's personal to us. You know, these are the books that we're trying to curate for our students. But instead of focusing on, on the, what we're not doing, what are you doing? You know, that framing that positivity of like, of, you know, our goals are to have diverse collections because we want it to represent our schools. You know, whatever those connections are, I think is really key. And I think that um, another thing that we recommended is perhaps even writing out a rationale for your programming, your displays, whatever, so that you can tie it to your mission statements and you've kind of got your wording together um, so that if something comes up, you already have documents prepared um, to share with the principal and you're not trying to craft them in the heat of the moment when you're already um, stressed out as well. And then, you know, I always want to remind people to think of your stakeholders. Who in your school needs to know that you have a policy and that you have a form for concerns that parents might have about reviewing a material? Um, your English department, your team leaders, 
your grade level leaders, your principals, <clears throat> your curriculum team may not even be that familiar with it. So making sure all those stakeholders, including parent volunteers, who maybe don't need to know the exact policy, but maybe just need to know you have one and need to know what to do if an upset parent comes in or calls. Um, so the more you can inform all these stakeholders ahead of time, the more they're prepared if someone catches them in the grocery store, as my district always talks about, or somewhere um, unawares that they're, they're just prepared um, to have the conversation. Yeah, that's such great advice. And I think that I'm sure that some people that are listening, they're probably thinking in their head, like, you know, maybe like, do I have that? Do I have everything I need? Is there a place that people can go and see examples or look for things maybe that um, other districts, I mean, Becky, your district has done such an amazing job with your librarians and Caroline too, even though you're retired. And so I think that that would be, I know that during a conversation, even during the summit last weekend, we had some students that were school library students who were um, students actually of Joyce's. And so, you know, they were talking about just even seeing, you know, really good examples and being armed with that as they even go into like interview processes and things. And, you know, there's not really a clearinghouse right now for policies, but we have um, Padlets are being put together by uh, Sue Kowalski, um, and um, we're, we have started a group called At Freedom Fighters, it's F-R-E-A-D-O-M on Twitter, and uh, so that we can disseminate resources like that and elevate them, and we're using the hashtag F-R-E-A-D-O-M to do that so that people can follow that hashtag and as things come out materials make available or people pull collections together that that hashtag can become a common or please that it already is so it's it's um taking off but you're right that those examples are really important for people to be able to see and you know my suggestion is Every school district somewhere on their web page has their board listed or their board of supervisors and they have a web page and going to that and looking under policies if you don't know where yours might be. Um, and then locating it usually it's under instructional materials or instructional resources, then that's a way to look at policies if you're just unaware of how to find them even. And I would add uh, for us. So we, we had a policy, um, but last summer, our district, once you know everything kind of settled down and we didn't have any challenges in play, um, decided to redo their policy. And so we actually reached out to the Office of Intellectual Freedom to ask, ask for about some sample policies because what we were trying to do was separate library selection from um, the language arts, you know, any kind of curriculum selection. And so they were very helpful in providing some mentor text from other districts across the country. And um, our school board and, and curriculum people at the district were able to, you know, put together what they wanted to do. So I would definitely say that, you know, the Office of Intellectual Freedom also has some resources that people could look at too, so. Awesome, yeah, and I clicked on in the article 
um, the site and just the things that have already been um, curated. And so I'll make sure to share that too in the description um, of this podcast, because I think that's where a lot of people are at too. So it's just so helpful having this and, you know, even the best places and best libraries and, and best librarians are going to have things that come up in these conversations. And like we all said, you know, to be proactive and transparent about our policies and how we select materials and, and just what we have in our libraries is just so important for us and especially for our readers, for our kids. Mm -hmm. Can I add one thing, um, Shannon? I wanted to also say um, or share and remind everybody how important it is for us to stay connected. Um, you know, we've always as librarians known the, the power of a, a professional learning network, but now more than ever, that professional learning network is so critical. Um, this sort of situation can be very um, upsetting and it can be very emotional once, you know, when you deal with, you know, the ramifications and the implications of what's being asked of you. And if you're a singleton, because most librarians are singletons and you don't have, say, maybe a, 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 a district leader, to support you, you know, it's so critical, I think, to remind everybody to, to find a librarian to connect with and talk about it. I know for me, I've reached out to Carolyn several times and said, well, what am I missing, you know, or, or anybody else that, you know, I feel like could give me that additional lens. But sometimes you just need that person to just, just talk to and if it's cry or be mad with, but, but regardless to just um, support you because it is, um, it can be a challenge but what's also important is that, you know, we, not one single person has all the answers. And so when you include other people, um, maybe that have gone through similar things, they can share with you, oh, here, you missed this piece, or don't forget to think about this. And I know, I mean, I've had several um, library friends around me that have reached out and said, I want to talk to my district, you know, can you look at these documents? And so absolutely, because I would want, I would have wanted that for me too. And so just remember, you know, to, that you don't have to do this alone to lean on your librarian network um, for support. And I want to add that since Future Ready supports, you know, superintendents and principals and teachers and so on, and you may have listeners from all those categories, um, just reminding all of them to reach out to their librarians and for us to work together on these challenges because we are a little more practiced at it, um, perhaps, and know the policies better, and certainly know our our collection of books and ebooks and programming and all of that. And so, we really want to work as a team and collaborate. And that is partly why we started this group to take some actions. Um, was also as sort of a PLN that people could be a part of and reach out, find other people interested and um, reach out to people who could support them. Yeah, I love all that advice. And I really love, you know, the, the community that we have as librarians, but it's great advice to, to have conversations with the other people, the, the leaders within your yeah. school, because I think that that is going to make it better if things ever do come to you as a question or others that you'll be prepared. So just really great advice. Also, just to kind of wrap up, I would love for you guys to tell people where to find you online too. Sure. Um, I'm at Techno Library on Twitter 
and my blog is not so distant future which i haven't written on in the distant recent <laughs> I'm, I'm there's so much going on right now that it's been hard to encapsulate all of it and and get it down but that's my goal during thanksgiving week actually and um, you can find me on Twitter um, at B-E Calzada, C-A-L-Z-A-D-A. And I have a blog, but um, a view from the shelves, but like, I, like Carolyn, I have not done anything lately. It's mostly about books because I love to read, but let me tell you, the reading's been taking a hit lately because it's not so much, I mean, I'm listening, but it's, there's just a lot going on. And so I kind of yeah. need to get back to that. Yeah, you guys have been busy. And so I'm just so thankful that you joined us and it's so helpful, even, you know, to me that I think about as I get ready to go to school today, you know, just having those conversations, even with the people in my library in school, you know, taking that step to do that. And so I'm really grateful that you shared all of this and I'll make sure to share all the resources in the description so everyone can find it. And so thank you both friends. Thank you. Yeah. And a big thanks to Follett for sponsoring our podcast and we will see you in season four. Thank you for joining us for the Future Ready Librarian podcast, Leading from the Library. I would like to also thank our sponsor, Follett Learning, for their amazing continued support.